For those of you who don't know me, I'm, I'm Bob McGregor. I'm, the, I'm actually the founding pastor of this church and, and uh, the lead pastor of this church. And um, soon not to be the lead pastor of this church, as we're going to talk a little bit today, as, as everyone knows, it's public information. But if you're here today, we're going to talk a little bit uh, about family and kind of this year and where we're going next year and about this thing called the transition and what, what it's looking like and what it should look like. Before I do that, I'm going to let my extinguished colleague introduce himself to you today. Wow. It's a little awkward. Uh, my name's Peter. I am. Thank you. Don't know how else how to say that. The distinguished colleague threw me off, so wasn't expecting that. Uh, but no, uh, Merry Christmas to you it, guys. It is distinguished, not extinguished. I, I didn't get rid of him. <laughs> He's still around. He's my distinguished colleague. Thank you. A bad, bad adjective. So welcome. Glad you're here this morning. So we're, we're going to... Yeah, there you go. Thank you, Peter. We're going to... Uh, we want to do three things today. The first thing we want to do is we want to rehearse the year. You know, all the TV networks and all the... All the journal periodicals and the journalistic periodicals and magazines and everything else, they kind of do a, you know, a, a recap of the year. And I think it, it's good. I, I think it's good to debrief. I think it's good to reflect about 2019 or any year we're coming to the end of it. And it's also, I think it's good to thank God for his faithfulness. I mean, people have been on a turbulent airplane, and when it landed, you were just so thankful you got in it. And, uh, you know, I want to thank, first, I want to recognize them before I go any further. Uh, we have our Latino service with us today. And we just. <clears throat> you, you, don't, you don't see them, you know, but we have, somebody, we have somebody behind the wall interpreting. Right, Pastor Pasquale? And uh, thank you, Pasquale and Maggie, for all that you do. And, and we had wall-to-wall people last week at our Christmas outreach, and Maggie made 400 tamales by herself. That's okay. And uh, she, she makes great tamales, great tamales, 400. Fed, ever, fed that whole crew. They're doing a great job, and it's great to have you here with us today. But I think it's good to be thankful. And uh, second thing is talk a little bit about our transition, the plan. Pastor Peter is going to kind of rehearse the plan again, the why of the plan and, and how it's going up to this point. And then we want to talk about our vision and our heart for, for 2020. So let's just a little, little recap of the year, just rehearse the year. We we started in uh, actually the fall of 2018, then we brought it into early the, in January 2019. We were presenting to you one of the things that's on our heart is to really be much more proactive in, in training leaders. One of the things that we have been blessed with in our 22 years is I had a, it, we, we began, I had a great crew of young couples, most of all whom had been uh, trained at Portland Bible College, at least a core of them had been. And uh, it wasn't all those that make up our church planters, some, but some of those that did plant churches had a lot of training prior to that that I can't take credit for. Now, it wouldn't be true for like J.O. or Simon Geller and, and some, or, or um, even Anthony Rozier, but there were like Phil and Matt and, and Shanda and Lisa definitely were trained in that capacity. 
And then we had a lot of Bible education at the beginning of our church uh, that we used to, to do a lot of training with a lot of these people. So uh, we, through the years, as we developed, we, we, as we grew, some of those things fell to the wayside. We really felt a new call to develop people. So we developed a leadership track, pastoring 100 and 200 and 300, and, and, uh, or 101, 201, 301. I forget if we got a one or a zero at the end of that. But the issue is, is that we've gone through now two courses. The third course, the 300 course, is going to be presented in February. And uh, Bill Scheidler has really, really helped us with that and written the curriculum, has done leadership training around the world. And we're really privileged to, to have Bill with us. And I just want you to thank him for his um, contribution to our church. We also, we also have just been, we've launched a real fresh emphasis on biblical education, just teaching the Bible on Wednesday nights. We've done the book of Hebrews, the book of Mark, and the book of Galatians. Now, our challenge, both in the leadership class and in our biblical education, and our, and our vision for the biblical education was, one, is to increase biblical literacy in our church. And second is to train teachers so I could get people teaching, I can watch them teach, and help develop teachers in the church. That was our, that's one of our hearts on that. Our challenge is just having it isolated to Wednesday night. And so one of the things that we need to do is learn how to offer more classes at different times and also to, to videotape our classes and get everything online so you, people can take these classes online with your complex schedule. Uh, how many of you drive in from work from Portland? I mean, how many Portland commuters do we have? Traffic is a lot of fun, isn't it? It's, it's, a, it's a lot of fun sometimes coming in. How many of you would never cross the river? Okay, yeah, yeah. okay good. So it's one of the big things we did, and we've been very successful. We had a real high uh, community group involvement in 2020. A lot of people were involved. And one of my hearts in 2000, and, excuse me, in 2019 was to get a lot of our younger couples involved. And we really were successful in that this year. We had a high level of our young marrieds in various different groups and leading groups. And I was, I was very, very encouraged by that. And then we saw in the first quarter of the year, we saw a lot of salvations. And I was excited. People rededicating their life to Jesus, submitting to Jesus, coming to Jesus for the first time. I was, I was busy processing with people and it was very, very exciting. So the first quarter of the year, when we, were, we had all pistons firing and, and we were moving, but then we, we hit some tragedy. And first was the death of my son-in-law, Ryan, that uh, not just sent my, just changed my daughter's life and changed my family's life, but it, it, it rocked this church in a very deep and heavy way, and sent people reeling. If that wasn't tough enough, two months afterwards, Ryan Moss, a 22-year-old uh, young adult in our church who got saved through our church, and uh, <clears throat> friends of the McFerrin fam- friend of the McFerrin family, and loved by our college-age young adult community, just died suddenly in a freakish way. He got leukemia, didn't know it, but it was curable, but somehow through the blood transfusions died in that particular process, and they thought they could heal, get him healed. And uh, that, once again, just laid us back again. And then we got hit again. We had, uh, he's still alive, and he's, he's fighting with great faith, but we had Jake Calvert, who married Cheyenne Schleck in our church, young Marine who proposed to her right on the stage, was having serious back pain. They got married in May. In early June, he was diagnosed with cancer, and he had tumors on his spine that eventually paralyzed him. And he has spent the last five months in OHSU and in, and in different types of uh, rehab centers going through all sorts of radiation and chemotherapy 
physical therapy and has been a paralytic through the process. He's now home. We need to be praying, but that young family just got hit with a hurricane. Then on top of that, we had Laura Whitfield, who had been a member of our church for 17 years, a wonderful, wonderful woman and a great prayer warrior who just, uh, at the age of 49, just dropped dead of a heart attack in the middle of July. And then our good friend Tammy Twominen, who was, uh, you know, fighting for her life with faith and cancer, passed away in August. She went out of the blaze of glory. Her wish list was to get to a, um, who was it that she wanted to hear in concert? Chris Tomlin went to went to Colorado, saw saw Chris Tomlin, this open air theater, you know, up in the Rocky Mountains, and then wanted to see Mount Rushmore. Okay, she got to Mount Rushmore, then she got rushed back to Vancouver, and she went to heaven. Well, she had her she had her she had her wish list, and she fulfilled it with great faith, but she lost that battle. That kind of sent us a little bit, taking all those situations together. It it really had a massive impact on this church. Our counseling loads went up. I did a lot of counseling on fear and anxiety and uh, with people. People were having panic attacks. People were grieved. People were wrestling with their faith. I mean, it, it had a deep impact. We can't pretend it and just pretend that elephant wasn't in the room. It was there. So you saw series this fall like Faith, Promises, and Sovereignty, uh, The Contender, uh, fear and anxiety, and then, of course, our latest one surrendered before we got into the holiday season. All kind of a pastoral counterattack to get our, our sea legs back underneath us that, that God is still a God of promises and God is still faithful and not, God is still good, but life isn't easy. Have you noticed that life isn't easy? So we kind of wanted to be faith-filled, joyful Christians who believed in God's promises but had, but had some alligator skin to know that there are just some mysteries and contradictions and spiritual warfare in life. And I don't have the answer for you on exactly all the reasons why. Jesus does. One day you'll answer a lot of those questions with us. I, I know how. And I know that he is good and he keeps moving through. And on top of that, we had a little financial crisis here where we had to have a kind of a town hall meeting and talk a little bit. And the church really responded. And, and actually, the last four months, our, our finances have been, I won't, I'm not going to say, oh, this has been off the chart. But there's been a great improvement in our giving and, and brought a lot of security to the end of the year. And by the way, you still can give for a few days. Just a little commercial there. And uh, it has to be postmarked by the 31st of December to, to be credited for 2019. But you've been faithful, and I want to thank you for that. We've also seen masses of healings. And as we have been contending, pressing in, I brought David Freck in because I knew he would put a spirit of faith in the church. And people have been coming up to me. We'll have more testimonies next week of people who got healed during those times. And, and uh, very, very exciting. So here we are, moving into 2020. But then we also, here a year and a half ago, or close to 16 months ago, we announced a transition where I'm going to be uh, no longer the lead pastor here in a few years. And uh, Peter Schrader, right next to me, my, my extinguished p- colleague, my distinguished po- my colleague, is uh, going to be leading the church. So I'm going to have Pete talk a little bit about the transition right now and just kind of the plan, the overall plan, and then we'll kind of get into how we both feel about that, just kind of bring the inside scoop. We're going to talk to you about our fights, our, our latest fist fight, uh, our, our, our times we don't talk to each other for months. And uh, No, no. Peter, go ahead. 
Well, as um, Bob was kind of going through the year, the you know, it, you can read those like little quotes, like you want to make God laugh, you you tell him your plans, right? And um, <clears throat> now that doesn't mean that we can't, we don't plan. It doesn't mean that we, we don't think ahead. We, we need to do that. But there also has to be a flexibility that uh, life doesn't always go the way we would want it to. It doesn't always happen exactly the way. And, you know, we just sang the song about even, you know, when we don't hear him, we don't see it, we don't feel it. He's still up to something and he's still moving. And our faith can't be based off of our feeling. It can't be based off of, you know, our hearing or our seeing. It has to be based off of our trust in him and knowing that despite those circumstances that God is still moving and that he's still up to something and he's still leading and and he's still in control and we can trust in that. And so we had kind of laid out a, a, a plan over um, kind of like a three-and-a-half-year plan and kind of different little mile markers of, of how things were going to happen. Um, that lasted probably about two months, three months. But then just with the course of everything that happened this last year, it just totally shifted a lot of that. But in the midst of that shifting, it was just amazing to see God's sovereignty and to see how... Uh, his ways are truly, and not trying to, you know, bring out all the different Christianese quotes that I can from my childhood, but his ways are higher than our ways, and they are better than our ways, and um, what we think maybe, you know, hey, we need to be on this year campaign for this, he can change it in a snap of a finger through orchestrating different events, and uh, and just the way that, that everything happens <clears throat> So uh, one of the things that, that came up a lot um, and, and we still end up talking about is just even the length of the transition. And it, it's, it's definitely longer. Most people that have watched transitions would say that they've never heard of one this long. Um, so we just, we just wanted to be record breakers <laughs> and see how long we could make it. And, hey, as long as we get a – yeah. If we can make it and get our names in the Guinness Book of World Records for the longest transition, hey, that's cool. Um, Any of you guys ever thought of, like, reading through that and just seeing, like, what record can you still break? It's amazing that there's still people, and, I mean, you see it, you know, it's like the person that can, you know, balance a penny on their nose while making brownies for, you know, 73 hours straight or something. I don't know. But we, uh, the goal was that, in a, in a room this size and with this many people in it, um, there's going to be those of us in here that get pumped for change. We get pumped for whatever's new. We get excited. There's something exhilarating about that. And then there's those that are um, fearful of change and don't like change. I've told the story before that as a kid, we had uh, this like mustard yellow small tiles with brown specks in our kitchen, and we had 70s yellow appliances. And I remember my mom, um, my parents saved up, and my grandparents, and they got, we, we transitioned our appliances to almond, the 1980s almond color. <clears throat> and no joke, I'm, you know, somewhere between six and probably eight years of age, and I'm bawling because we were changing out the color of our appliances. And, uh, because it, there was security in, no, this is the way our kitchen looks. 
and this is, this is what home feels like and, and looks like and smells like. And so you go and you make an adjustment like that, and uh, there, there can be panic of, you know, and I didn't even like mustard yellow, but still it was home. And so there can be those things. And so the idea is kind of the, the whole, I love the adage of slow is smooth and smooth is fast. And uh, just, uh, <laughs> we can explain it on a chart later on, but it really does make sense. But it's just to go slow enough to where... Um, yeah, we're moving forward, and so those that get pumped about change or get pumped about something new or this or that, there's that element, but also that we don't go fast just to go fast and just to, well, let's just get it over with and let's just do it, but no, let's really walk through this together. And I think for me, at the root of that is um, that it's not just about two people handing something off, you know, and there's a lot of analogies of baton, you know, in, in races and relay races, but we're community. And so it's not just about can he, you know, uh, uh, pour into me and then just one day say, hey, you know, in a sense, here are the keys to my office. But this is about all of us getting through this together and staying united. Just like when transact, um, not transactions, it's not a business transaction. Transitions take place even in your home. There's, you know, you got to think about the, the family. You got to think about the kids. You got to think about your extended family or different things like that. There has to be a unity there. And so really wanting to see that take place. And uh, so, no, for me, um, I'm excited about the length. And because I believe there's something God is doing in it. And because post the, the, all of this, the goal is not, you know, one of Tamar and I's uh, things that we talked with Bob and Sue about is we don't want to do this if you guys are just hightailing it out of here. Um, you know, this is something where we want them actively involved and we want them to be part of the team and part of the strategizing. And, you know, some people are like, oh, you got to, you know, you, you, you're going to need to remove them out of the meetings because, you know, what if you get intimidated and... Um, we do fine in meetings together, I promise you. We uh, have no problem talking to one another. Um, so anyway, it's been, uh, I would say it's been going very, very well. And I've been um, overwhelmed and humbled by what God has done in this year in his way. And I'm excited to see what he continues to do and uh, in really believing um, you know, growing up in the church, I, I can't tell you a lot of churches where I would say, man, the way that church did a, that transition was healthy, or I would like to follow it. And not saying they aren't out there, I just haven't seen many. And my hope is that as we go through this, are we going to have speed bumps? Absolutely. But uh, that I believe God's going to be glorified through it, and I'm excited for that. Um, one of the ways that we're kind of uh, transitioning kind of slowly is, is just even in the, the preaching schedule on, um, on Sunday mornings and just kind of how that flows. And so uh, even like this next year, um, Bob will be sharing um, 24 times. He'll always be twice a month. I will always be uh, once a month. And then tomorrow's going to be like point. Eight three, I forget what the fraction is, but uh, eight times. So whatever eight and twelve makes. Anybody really smart out there with that kind of thing? 
0.66, okay, there we go. Dana Gonzalez, I owe you a gift card. Awesome, can we just give her a hand? Look at that. <laughs> so yeah, we're excited. Um, it's just been great to see. And, uh, and then also that you, you can go through things like this. You know, people say you never go into business with family. And there's a lot of wisdom in that. Uh, anybody here ever gone into business with a family member? Keep your hand up if you do it again. Okay. Um, <clears throat> there's, a, there's wisdom and there's reasons why people say that. But uh, it's awesome to go through this as family and that we're going to stay family as we go through this. Oh, beautiful. And uh, that's true, all that Pete said. Um, first, I, I just want to say, and people have used this term, and I, I want to kill it. I'm, I'm not retiring. And like when you retire, I'm, I'm not retiring. I'm redefining. I am redefining my ministry, but I'm not retiring. And uh, one of the things that uh, I want a little bit more time to do is to chase Sue around the house, but uh, no, um, kind of empty, kind of an empty nester thing. No, I'll be able to give myself more to what we call apostolic ministry, and, and really, really what that means is both to this church and to other churches, it's three things to me, it's it's really staying on track when it comes to the doctrinal foundation of the church to make sure that we do not remove the landmarks that our fathers have, have placed in the church and to keep those things sacred. The second thing is to make sure that the church stays on mission, that we stay on what God's called us to do, that we're just not a, we just don't uh, become self-absorbed and just here to build our own kingdom and our own you know, and just take care of our own world. But we're here to touch the whole world. Can I hear an amen on that? Amen. Very excited about our Global Impact Sunday. I've already put the whole thing together. I'm, I mean, I'm pumped and uh, about that because that's part of that apostolic thing that's, uh, that I'm going to be a part of. And the third is to make sure that we stay fresh in our relationship with Jesus and that this church never crystallizes into an institution. Because we can organize ourselves into a place where we just become in a routine and robots and no faith and it's kind of the Ephesus thing you know I know your works and your labor and everything else but you lost your first love and I think that's an apostolic responsibility and I'll be uh, in this church and in other churches I'll be giving myself to that Pete is I'm letting Pete lead most of the church I still got my hands on on, on some things and um, I am the primary feeder right now but he is running things and you know of course I'll, I'll walk into the staff lounge and where did the coffee pot go? Well, we don't have a coffee pot anymore. Why not? Because we use this. Okay, so I got to get retrained about every other week. And uh, can we do this? No, we don't do that anymore. Okay, how can I get this done? And they direct me around. They're very kind to me. Everyone's very kind. <laughs> very kind. Now, now, people ask, is this, is this hard? Well, sure it is. There's kind of an end of an era of my life. But, but really, I, I'm actually excited about Pete and excited about Tamar and about the team and, and just we have a great staff and about the future of the church and just see people that, man, when he started with me in this church, he was 18 or 19? 19. 19 years of age. Okay, so just to watch. And I had somebody 
uh, who just has returned back to our church that saw him in those beginning years has just been astounded at his growth. And so it's exciting to see people fulfilling their destiny, and uh, we're really excited about that in the, in the future. And the future belongs to Peter and his generation. That's what the future belongs to. I and others like me are guardians. And we're here. We're to guard sacred things, and we're to pass things on to the next generation. That's, that's what we're called to do. You gotta, it's kind of like you, you're, you're done playing like you used to play, and now you've got to do a lot of coaching. And, of course, that's what we're going to be doing. And um, uh, Pete and I do a lot of consensus leadership. We meet every week. We, we, we talk over every issue, and uh, we, we tend to do very well in coming to an agreement of what we should do. And so... I'm encouraged in that. Now, that'll lessen, obviously, as he takes the, the helm a little bit stronger. Uh, but we will. Uh, he's honored me in such a great way, Tamar has, and they've honored Sue, where we're going to be able to give our time to them and, and, and watch them make great decisions. And um, one thing I, I appreciate so much about Pete and Tamar is that they're radically dedicated to growth. Um, they want to grow. They're constantly reading things about growing and talking to people and processing about growing. And Tamar, Tamar is uh, registered for Portland Bible College. If she still, if she still doesn't get cold feet on that, what, what's that? You're you're accepted. Okay, so she's accepted. Yeah. I had to spend five hours with Ken Malman persuading him to let her in, but no. But, uh, but just, that just shows that I think her commitment to her own personal growth as a, as a communicator of the gospel. And uh, um, I'm excited about what way they're going to grow and how they're going to grow and what this church is, is going to look like. So I, I'm excited. It's, it's, it's been a, a, a new season and a unique season. But, you know, our identity, and let me just preach here for a second. Our identity cannot be in a position Can everyone say amen? Amen. You say, like, who are you? I I am a pastor. No, that's what I do. But that's not who I am. Who I am is a child of God. Who I am is a sinner saved. Who I am is a son. Now, I have a particular in that context of a role to play for the church that God loves. And I would be violating my sonship to ignore that. But still, that's not who I am in a title. A title is a short-term assignment. I'm more than just a position in a particular time. And it's true for all of us. And I think it's uh, one of my, my excitements is to be able to model this in a great way, the true reality of this. But let's talk about 2020. Um, We're moving into the new year. 2020 vision. For optometrists, that's good stuff, right, Rachel? It's good stuff. Twenty twenty. I don't have twenty twenty vision. I I have these glasses you prescribed for me. But uh, <laughs> and I made the greatest mistake. I renewed my driver's license, and the lady said, "You can use your glasses if you want." And I said, well, "That's cool. That'll be a piece of cake." And so I and I passed the flying colors, and then I got my driver's license, and now I have to wear my glasses every time I drive my car. <laughs> I'm going back. Taking these things off. Healed in Jesus' name. Give me that eye thing again. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, for me and, and what my part in 2020 was on my heart, one, I'll be pouring into Pete and Tamar. Both Sue and I will. It's one of our goals and our passions to spend a lot of time with them and coaching them and encouraging them behind the scenes. 
Second, and thing that's beating hard and is a real vision that's impacting the church, we've already started, is developing a biblical education culture in this church. And we've already started that. We want to increase that. And one of the things that we're going to do is going to take us probably three trimesters to do it, but we're going to offer a biblical survey class where we're going to go from Genesis to Revelation. And uh, I, I find a lot of Christians know a lot of parts, but they can't connect them. And they also sometimes know huge things in here, but they don't have an overall understanding of the whole big picture. And I think you've got to have the big picture before you uh, can really understand the part. And so we're going to, you know, my wife really encouraged me on this, that she felt that it was a real life changer for her and that we should do this. And so we're going to be doing that. Now, once again, our heart is to try to have various times in the schedule and on try to get these things on online so people can take these courses at home if they can't get here to the physical building. We live in the 21st century. It's different. But we do want to biblically educate everybody, and that's one of my strong, strong passions right now. Leadership training, along with Bill Scheidler on that, we're going to be doing 300 starting in February. Same challenges we face as we do with biblical education, and we'll find creative ways to get more people trained in that. Uh, and then... Probably one of my strongest heartbeats is leading this church uh, into a greater level of the supernatural and a greater hunger for God. Um, I want to I say this. Jesus said, these signs shall follow. These signs will follow. There's supposed to be certain signs that are following us. It's our inheritance. Now there's a difference between inheritance that's been granted to you and an inheritance that's been possessed. I like Joshua chapter 1. And, uh, you know, he, Moses has passed away, and he's speaking to Joshua. He says, after Moses, the Lord's servant, died, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, he says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now get ready, get ready. Cross the Jordan River. Lead these people in the land which I am ready to hand over to them. In other words, it's already a done deal. How many things has God handed over to us and we're waiting on God to do something and he's, wait, and he's waiting on us to possess it? Well, one of those things is the power of God in the area of healing. Now, it's, he didn't say these signs will follow you and you won't have a messy life. Can we live in a messy world, don't we? We're going to be real real about that. Our, and I think one of the things that's happened in our church is that we're, going to have, we're not going to get easily shaken but we still have signs that will be our portion. And it's, and it's already been given to us, but that doesn't mean we're experiencing it. we got to possess it. And I'm, I'm going to be like a broken record. And I'm going to keep on this thing and keep on this thing and keep on this thing and keep on this thing. And even when I'm not the lead pastor of the church, I'm going to be on this thing and on this thing because it is our inheritance. You know, my father in the faith was Dick Iverson, who had a great ministry of healing in his younger years, and even as the lead pastor of Bible Temple. Brother Dick had a gift of healing. His pastor was a guy named T.L. Osborne, who wrote a book called Healing the Sick. Hey, that, that's our root system. Our root system goes all the way back to Azusa, and then from there it goes all the way back to Acts chapter 2. That is our DNA. Okay, so we're not going to lose that. We're going to believe for miracles. Everyone said amen on that? Amen. So that's one of my heart desires for 2020. We just kind of take that to the next level. That's why I'm grabbing every testimony I can get. Can we let the redeemed of the Lord do what? 
Come on, we, we, we overcome them by the word of our testimony. Also want to do writing, writing curriculum for the church. Uh, I have finished my autobiography. I had my, my wonderful daughter, Leslie, look through it and gave me a couple of great tips and advice. I got to go back and rewrite some things. She says, Dad, your friends will be very interested in this book, but you got to get other people interested in it. Okay, so, so just some things I got to, yeah, that's what you did, say that. Okay, I have no hurt feelings. Yes, ma'am, I'm going to go back and get that word. And uh, I'm actually getting my auto, my plans to get my autobiography out to the church. And that's part of my life message, part of the message of this particular church and other material. And, uh, of course, I've been enjoying pastoring people through issues. And uh, I never really enjoyed counseling before. I had kind of a, a grace on it, but I didn't really enjoy it before. And I think it's because I was so buried with so many other burdens that everything seemed like a proverbial straw. But I found in the last six months that I've really enjoyed messing with people's junk. <laughs> and uh, just, yeah, that's bad. Well, we'll, we'll work, work through this thing. We'll give it a good, we're going to get to the finish line on this, but, on this, this thing. And, and I've kind of, I've, I've enjoyed it. Don't ask me why. There's just been a grace on it. And then, of course, more apostolic ministry. <clears throat> Let me just say this, and then I'm going to give it back to Pete and what he thinks for 2020. Is that I... Um, I've had a kind of a law, actually held it most of my tenure here, is that I would be gone one Sunday a month. And as we've looked at the schedule over the years, I've been pretty faithful to keep that I've been gone only one Sunday a month during the duration of this church. What I'm going to do is I'm going to let it loose the rope a little bit and allow it to go to two Sundays a month if the Lord opens those doors. And that's going to happen on some months. And, well, then it's going to go to three and then to four. I really don't believe so because I'm a local church man. Sue's not excited about um, her or myself living at an airport. Okay, flying's overrated. Turbulence is overrated. I've been on two aborted landings where they had to, you know, they were almost landed. They flew back up because something wasn't working. Okay, I've... I've flown in planes that hardly worked, held together by scotch tape. I mean, traveling is a little bit overrated. But, uh, but uh, we want to be home. We have our family here. We love this church. This church is our first love. But I probably will, in intense seasons, be gone a couple Sundays a month. And I'm going to let this year, the schedule out, so the church um, can feel it a little bit. Uh, or we can live with an illusion that you know, this is what it's going to look like where there's going to be just a little bit of adjustment. You're going to feel some of that this particular year. Be real about that. But in that, this is what we do. We planted a lot of churches. We've got a lot of sons and daughters out there. We've got a lot of stuff around the world or all over Central Asia. I haven't been on, on soil in Tajikistan uh, to be able to see you know, our missionaries there. I won't mention names. I haven't been able to be in Kyrgyzstan yet, and I need to be there. Uh, there's just a number of places around the world that i got to get to where we got work around that, uh, that need our touch and my fatherly touch and Sue's motherly touch there in those places. So that's going to take place in 2020. More Bible, more power, more deliverances. Come on, we're moving forward. Can I hear an amen on that? Peter. So for me, uh, when Bob was asking, what do I see kind of in this next year, um, and he's kind of looking at it from the personal side, but then also for us as a, as a church community, 
for myself, one of my biggest things is prayer. And, um, you know, a lot of times we can view prayer as, you know, it's our resort when um, something doesn't go right or when we're in a panic spot or that kind of thing. You know, it, it, you, you jump into it. Somehow we all become firm believers at that point. And, and, you know, we start crying out to God. But really looking at it, you know, in the whole element of it's a conversation. It's a dialogue with God. And you're carrying on a conversation. And um, for myself is, you know, Bob was mentioning how he and I meet together. And, <clears throat> excuse me, how uh, in just kind of talking about, you know, what do, what do we see, uh, strategy, vision, this and that. I've spent... Um, you know, the majority of my adult life up to this point, uh, sitting down and really seeing, okay, what, what's your vision and looking at how to, how I can implement that and do that. But for me, that is now really seeing that is that is what I'm supposed to be doing with God is really having those same meetings and setting aside time every day of just, not just my personal devotions, but for us as a community and just walking with God and just saying, okay, what, what's your vision? What do you want me to implement? What do you want me to do? Who do you want me to see? And, and what new things and all of this? And so that's a big element for me. The other is, um, is getting together with people that have been here for the first uh, like 15, 20 years of the church and wanting to get uh, groups of eight to 10 and really just hear what brought you here um, why have you stayed? And any of us, uh, if you have been here for any length of time, you've all been given reasons to leave. <laughs> right? Anybody? Uh, you know, something has happened that you didn't like. Uh, there was an offense that took place. Someone said something. The way it was said, uh, the way it happened, a, a ball was dropped. You got stood up. Something, it happens, and, and, and that's part of life, and as soon as you get people together, those things take place. But why did you stay? And also, though, what is important for you moving forward? What are a couple of the things that for you are, are foundational um, in, in this church? And understanding that and learning from that, and so that's one of my goals there. Uh, one of my biggest... Uh, driving forces as even as as we make little adjustments whether it be the 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 coffee carafe in the staff lounge per se um, is uh, how can we is going looking at it from God how can we bring you the most glory and the coffee carafe is not yeah, the yeah, example right, right. I want to use there yeah, yeah, I felt the glory but, of God around that that little coffee thing. But it's really looking at um, whether we're adjusting, say, the way we do services. A lot of times, again, we can get uh, locked in our ways because it feels comfortable, but it doesn't mean that it's the most fruitful. It doesn't mean that it's actually, sometimes it can be for our benefit, not for God's benefit in glorifying him. And so whether we're talking about just our services, whether we're talking about the way the office functions, whether we're talking about our community groups or, or different ministries, everything, our outreaches, but is God, how can we bring you glory? And that is number one, because when we bring God glory, we, we, we take our attention off of ourselves, number one, and the attention goes to him. And in doing that, then he's able to do whatever he wants to do. Yeah. But many times we want to see him move, 
But the way we go about wanting to see him move is we still have the attention focus on ourselves and what makes me feel good and what makes me feel comfortable or what glorifies me or that kind of thing. And, and it, 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 it kind of stifles what, what God would want to do. And so for me, it's going into this year is, Lord, that glorifying you would be our number one aim. And in that, you would be able to do anything and everything you want to do in me, that you want to do through me, and you want to do around me, that you want to do in this church, you want to do through this church, and you want to do around this church, but keeping that as a, as a main focus. Um, uh, you know, Bob brought up identity, and identity is kind of a, a, a trendy word in a sense. Um, and depending on the way you view it, semantics, like any word, you know, you can say it and we all have different reactions and different feelings to it. But to me, looking at, okay, is each one of us in this room knowing who God has called us to be? Because when we do know who God called us to be, then it doesn't matter what our title is. It doesn't matter what our role is. It doesn't matter where we get our paycheck or this or that or um, what home we live in, what car we drive, you know, how trendy are our clothes, you know, all those different things. Those things don't matter because we know who God called us to be. And we walk in it in confidence and we're allowing him to build that in us. And so to, that, 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 you know, we never want to be a place of just a couple green berets or a couple special forces that go out and um, are the main, you know, the, the ones that really get in there and do But that we're all called to be used by God. Every single one of us. He has made us all so unique for a very unique purpose and being able to figure out what that is and walk in it with boldness, walk in it with confidence and, uh, really, uh, uh, be all that, that God has called us to be, um, developing healthy team members. How many of you enjoy being around healthy, emotionally healthy people? Uh, you know, Tamar, if you were here at the beginning of the service, you know, kind of talked about preparing our heart and how, you know, after the holidays, um, you know, I won't have you raise your hand because some of your family might still be visiting and they might be here. But I'm sure a lot of you have had some emotionally unhealthy times during the holidays where uh, emotions and different things start taking place and people start sharing their opinions somehow. You're just sitting around the family table and one of the hot topics has to come up and there's the hot-headed person that can share their thoughts, but they can't receive thoughts, and, you know, plates are flying, and different things are taking place. We want to be an emotionally healthy church where we, um, we seek to understand before being understood, where, where uh, uh, we, we want to, we give people the benefit of the doubt. We talk about, you know, viewing each other as people, not as objects, because when we turn each other into objects, we see each other as an obstacle, we see each other as a vehicle, or we see each other um, as irrelevant, and not seeing that, but seeing each other as people, and understanding that God made us all unique, and we're all on a journey. None of us have arrived um, at, at the perfect mark. We're all on a journey of becoming who God has called us to be, and being refined, and so really being excited about that. Um, but also is uh, one of the things we've been working on with our team and really started kind of implementing it this last summer with our kids camps 
and the way we ran our camps and, and different things is, uh, again, not just having a couple people either on staff or a couple main volunteers who do, you know, that kind of whole 80% of the or 20% of the people doing 80% of the work and not just relying on the same common, um, the same, the same uh, main volunteers that you, you see. You just know that, hey, if you're going to do an event, they got nothing else going on in their life, so they're always going to be there. And, uh, you know, that kind of thing. But, and, and we love you, okay? Not, because you're a person. You're not a vehicle. You're not, definitely not an obstacle. But is to really get where we're discovering the gifts in each one of us. Because again, God has called us to something and really wanting to do that. How can we work with each other, build each other up, and then be released that none of us are here to be spectators. And, um, you know, we, we want to be a place where we make it uncomfortable to just be here and be a spectator. Because the goal is that uh, each one of us have been called to play the game. And each one of us um, you know, we're not called to be second string. We're not called just to be uh, on the sidelines or even just to be spectators. But God wants each one of us on the field, on the court, playing the game of what he's called us to do. And so whatever we can do to continue to build that culture where um, each one of us have our role, and, and not even just for this organization, but how God wants to use us to touch our city, to touch our neighborhoods, to touch our workplaces, to, um, to touch our families, those people that are difficult that you don't want to raise your hand about, that, that, that we're, we're, we know God wants to use us in, in all of those ways. Excellent. So January is prayer month. And uh, next Sunday, we start in a sense that uh, we'll start on a sermon called Why Prayer. And, uh, you know, why pray? Jesus said, you know, your father knows what you need before you ask him. Why would I need to ask him? You know, those types of things. Why, why pray? And then Monday, the 7th, we're going to start a 21 day of seeking the Lord. And what we're, our goal this year is really to reestablish our own personal relationship with Jesus. That's what this is all about. We're actually going to. Uh, encourage you to use a book that's <laughs> the name of the book is called starving <laughs> and uh, it's written by pastor jeff strickland it's an outstanding book that he's used with his church he's just sent me a copy of it and uh it is a 21 day devotional it'll probably take you about 45 minutes a day probably to an hour to go through the five things that pastor jess wants you to do on each day with biblical insights, revealing things that you don't think affect your relationship with God. And he kind of gets real personal in some deep, deep areas on some stuff in this devotional thing. as a 21-day guide and leads you gradually into a fasting experience. So it's not like on day one, everyone stop eating at McDonald's. It's, it's really, there's one day of his thing is dealing with why you need water. You're making commitments how much water you're going to drink. Uh, dealing with junk food and sugar and just kind of your own personal relationship with junk food and sugar and your own and you don't think well God doesn't really concern about he's not concerned about junk food and sugar I think God well (laughs) we're, we're, we're funny as Christians aren't we we condemn people for smoking, but we eat ourselves to death with hamburgers. And, uh, you know, but, uh, you know, he is concerned about your body. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So he deals each day with certain things that you kind of dig deep. What's Jesus saying to you? 
That's what that's about. And leads you into fasting. A lot of people have never fasted before. Learn to fast through this particular program. It's going to be our focus. We're not going to do daily prayer meetings. We're going to have three prayer meetings on Sunday nights at 5.30 to 6.30. We want the, I don't want a little bunch of green berets on a corner. You know, at 6 a.m. in the morning, I appreciate those green berets and, and you know, going after it. I, I want the whole church. I want, the, I want us to make a covenant that we're going to seek God together. Bring your kids. Let them have coloring books. Let them skip around and jump around. I, I really don't care. We're praying. I read a little booklet about a guy that interviewed the children of Azusa. And, you know, those kids played hide-and-go-seek in the Shekinah glory. I mean, they just had fun. Just bring your children. Let them be children. It's a one-hour prayer meeting on the, on the first. I mean, we'll start on the 12th, I believe. Okay? And then it goes to the 18th. I could be wrong. Is it the 13th? The 13th? Or is it the 19th? No. The 12th, the 19th, and the 26th will be three prayer meetings at 530. And uh, we'll, be, we'll be running those prayer meetings off of the book that you'll be reading. They'll be on Kindle in a few days. We'll announce how you can get it. Uh, the workbook is kind of expensive. He's charging 20 bucks. I'm, gonna, I'm trying to talk his daughter into letting us have it for like 15 bucks. We'll compensate with the church, some of it, those who can't afford it. Kindle, Pete's already seen that they're going to have it up for like $9 and something on Kindle if you want to go ebook on that, but, uh, which most people will do. But we're all going to be on the same page going after it. And... Uh, and only Jess Strickland would come up with a name of a book called Starving. But uh, you know what? We're starving for God, aren't we? We are starving for God. I want to ask my wife to come up here real quick. Sue, could you come up here? Can you tell Sue how much you appreciate her? And... I know that I'm. I know that I'm very. I know that I'm very, very prejudiced. Uh, but uh, I think Sue's run one of the most successful. Uh, women's ministries in, in all of Clark County. And uh, there's the high percentage of women who come to the things that she does has been really a model that others come and really have picked her brain. So what do you got on the docket for 2020? Okay, I didn't prepare. But I do want to say this is an exciting year, and I am looking forward to what's coming around the bend with all the changes that you're hearing, and don't be nervous. Um, I'm probably nervous, like anyone else, about future change. I don't like it. I ne- I'm one of those ladies that never moves the furniture around till my kids come over and go, Mom, you haven't moved that couch in 20 years? Let's just move it. You don't see what's under there. Anyway, but I... I appreciate, yeah, they just take it away, get rid of that. But I appreciate what God does when he orchestrates change because it is in his economy to bring about change for so many reasons. It is good for us. It's very good for us to see things from a new perspective and to learn uh, what he has for us. So I, I, am a, I am excited. I am really excited about Pete and Tamar and the future we have together, and their kids. Their kids are leaders as well, and I see their kids being hugely impacting 
in the ministry of this house as they're growing up into being young adults. But um, women's ministry, yes, women mentoring women is uh, near and dear to my heart, although uh, how many of you have learned to not hold things too tightly because God is in the business of checking our motive, right? And so I, I, hold, I try to learn to let you know, things be uh, like, come on, okay, God, move your hand over a little bit. You know, uh, I try to let go my grip on things because I know, as old as I am, that that is God's um, heart, is to put our trust in him, right? Amen? Trust him. And uh, he will direct your path. But with what this year uh, has, we started our theme this year in September, so we're halfway in, and it is um, be strong, uh, women be strong in the Lord and find out where different areas and topics are. Um, this month in January is going to be a workshop Saturday, just because we've been finding that's been a great idea, some um, people put that idea together a couple years back, and it works out. So the third Saturday of January, which will be, we usually do breakfast, but maybe we'll be fasting. I don't know, I don't know what we'll do. We'll have food. Starving. We'll be starving. <laughs> uh, uh, that third Thursday, anyway, is a workshop Saturday. It goes from 10 to noon, and we ha- or 9.30 to 11.30. We'll be having uh, fellowship and great workshops for the all the women in the church and they're here and then we move into the conference in march february we'll have uh, nikki mcferrin will be sharing i know that's coming up and i'm very excited to hear her story and she's going to share her heart and then uh in march we have our conference and then uh april may we finish up but anyway just a little highlight of women's ministry amen thanks amen All right, well, this is how we want to, uh, it's like we thought we want to end the day. We'd like you just to get in groups of three to six people, turn around a circle, and just pray for the church, pray for each other. You might have a need, say, hey, I got, I'm going through this, would you pray for me? I, I believe this is a time, I think Pete na- nailed it, is it's a time for family. It's a time for us to be family, to act like family. I think God's going to take us into the reality that we are family. What makes us a unique church is that we are a community. We are a family. We're a family with a cause, but we're a family. So let's bear family burdens today. Stand to your feet, if you would, and uh, I want you to just grab some people, make a circle, pray for one another. We'll sing one song, and when you hear us sing that song, we'll, we'll be dismissing you.